Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, my friends, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead, after being knocked down, is now available for pre-order. I'll make sure the link is available in the show notes below. All right, my friends, let's do the show. There is a story for everyone here because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. I believe all of us at some point in our lives and on this journey experience these periods of stuckness. We feel stuck in our relationships, career paths, some choices that we make, body struggles, addiction issues, trauma, and so much more. And many of us know what we need to do to move forward, but we find ourselves unable to take the leap to make that actually happen. And then we blame and shame ourselves because we didn't take that necessary step in moving forward. And you guys know me, I'm all about progressing forward in our lives the best way that we possibly can. Feel what you need to feel in that period of time, but always, always continue to move forward because you don't want to get, as my guest Britt Frank today shares, you don't want to get stuck because we can stay in this negative loop of self-doubt that goes absolutely nowhere and we weren't made to be stuck, to stay on the ground in these periods of shame, blame and just feeling absolutely horrible. But the good news is if you're, you're not lazy, you're not crazy and you're not unmotivated, that, that can be said for a lot of people. My guest, Brid Frank, as I said, she's a clinician, she's an educator, and she's a trauma therapist. She receives a BA from Duke University and an M- MSW from the University of Kansas, where she now resides as well, and she's an award-winning adjunct professor. Brit speaks and writes widely about emotional wellness and healing, which she does in her brand new book, The Science of Stuck breaking through inertia to find your path forward. In this book, you, uh, in this book, it's an, also an action-oriented guide too to help you discover why you can't think 
our way forward and how to break through what's holding us back using an electric approach and a customizable plan that's as direct or as deep as you want it to be. This life-changing guide empowers you to break old habits and patterns, gain perspective on pain and trauma from the past, free yourself from the torturous why questions. We do touch on that during this conversation. Take control of your choices to create the life that you want. This is a tremendous book. I cannot recommend it highly enough to each and every one of you. I hope that you all go out there and get a copy of the book. It's out right now. Links will be in the show notes below. But if you do feel like you are stuck currently in your life today, I promise you there is a way out. Uh, Allow Brit to help you find that path forward, that right path forward that I, I believe so many of us are searching for, but just can't really seem to find it for whatever reason that is. So my friends, if you do get something from this, please share it around to all your friends and your family that everyone know about this one. I think it's a feeling that we all suffer with at some point in our lives. We can all overcome, no doubt. Also, my friends, I want to let you all know that my very first book, The Path of an Eagle, How to Overcome and Lead After Being Knocked Down, is available for pre-order. The link will be in the show notes below. It is also going to be an audio book too, which is pretty exciting. Still not sure whether or not I'll be uh, narrating at the time that I am recording this, but who knows, maybe that might actually be, there might be a reason for that. But nonetheless, my friends, I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Britt Frank. So you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into this story box as we learn more about the science to get unstuck and more about the science that what makes us stuck in the first place as we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice and the stories of none other than Britt Frank. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. Like I was saying just a moment ago, your energy is in, incredibly infectious, so I think we're going to have a great, great conversation that I'm very much looking forward to unboxing more of your story in just a moment. Before we do that, my very first question for you, this is a question I love starting off all my conversations with, it is what does success look like for you? Mm. Oh, so many ways I could answer that question. I could do like the stock motivation, like I could do the there. Here's what success means to me. The ability to do the things that I want to do, to know who I am, to know what I want, and to have the resources and the power and the ability to carry it out. Whatever that is, that is success. Who is Britt Frank? Oh, that's a good question. Who is Britt Frank? Well, I don't know how deep do you want to get underneath that. I'm a fully human human and I am a, you know, fully formed human with the grossest, monstrous, horrible sides of my personality that I've learned to love like little pets and like little pet dragons. And I am a full human with the spectrum of the good, the bad and the like WTF. So that's me. I love that answer. And we can go as deep as we possibly can with this one. Uh, what are some of those deep dragons, I guess you could call them? What are those things? <laughs> you don't waste any time. This is fun. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I'll preface this with saying, you know, now I am a functional human being and I've taken the things that I have learned and created good from the giant messes that I've made. Mm-hmm. But I have really 
evil parts of my personality and I have really greedy parts and manipulative parts and judgmental parts and all of those things that we are all in such a race to deny or hide. I have all of those parts of me. And, you know, when you acknowledge that those parts are in me, they're in you. We all have an inner narcissist. We all have just these inner parts of us that think those horrible thoughts that make us go, oh my God, I didn't just think that that wasn't me. And the further I tried to hide from my shadows, my ugly stuff, the louder they got. And the more you embrace them, then you notice they're they're actually kind of cool to have as long as you are in control of them and not the reverse. And underneath every quality that we think is quote bad is a gift. So like envy underneath envy that points towards desire underneath that comparison, jealousy thing lies. Here's where I'm authentically wanting to go. So it's really fun to flip the stuff that we think makes us bad and find like the gold underneath it. Because if we don't flip those things that are bad, we do get stuck. Completely. Yes. And they form all these negative aspects of our life. They contribute to horrible health conditions, as I'm sure you're probably aware. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm sure we'll dive further into that in just a moment. So I love how you also mentioned that you're a fully functional human being, and I'm grateful for that. I am too, even though I've had my own fair share of demons, and and I call them demons, uh, past demons um, that I've had to wrestle and contend with. Um, you also, there's, uh, I want to mention for people that, uh, you're a drug addict, a love addict, uh, codependent, borderline personality, all those things. Um, how did that all begin for you? If you don't mind me asking. How did having all of my long list of mental illness lists like that, how did that begin? Well, that began in childhood. (laughs) (laughs) That began early on when I was in utero. No, you know, I had a life that looked normal. Everything looked fine. And like many people who things look like they're fine, anything that we don't address tends to bite us in the end. And so not having the skills to navigate feelings, not having the tools to navigate my thought life, not understanding that I live in a body and here's how it works. I really noticed once I hit my teens that I wasn't doing okay. I, 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 like, I felt like they sent me out of the factory missing a few pieces of the machine. And I'm like, I I'm not fully equipped to human. And then, you know, in my twenties, I was already set up for poor decision-making and I really love drugs. Drugs were wonderful for a while because I could escape all of these painful, unpleasant truths about myself, about my life, about where I come from, about the decisions that I've made and drugs, you know, what they don't teach you and what they should teach little kids is drugs are awesome before they destroy your life and kill you because it does work temporarily to hide. It always catches up to you and it never works out in the end. And it's addiction is devastating, but it's functional. So I found that all of my suboptimal behaviors were quite functional. And when they stopped being functional, I got better. What sort of drugs are we talking about? Um, well, I can, you know, lead with the socially acceptable ones The you know, I popped prescription pills, but I mean, I was smoking meth out of light bulbs in bathrooms and in strange places with strange people doing all of the things that you associate with crystal meth. And, you know, my life got pretty, pretty grim for a while. And so I'm grateful for that. So we can talk about it now, but even the most toxic environments 
have a functionality to them. They serve a purpose or we wouldn't be doing them. So I really love helping people de-shame and I'm not justifying behavior. Like I'm not proud of my choices and I've had to do repair work and amends making and, you know, all of that. But to go into our stuff with shame, just keeps us stuck. I am no longer a drug addict. I no longer have borderline personality disorder. I don't have any of those things. And if I had shamed myself or labeled myself, I would still be stuck because the mental health world is fond of labels and labels of this is who you are. Just live with it. And that's not always the case. I want to take people to the dark so they can understand this is where you came from because it's your journey. It's part of how you ended up getting unstuck. You were stuck for a period of time and now you're unstuck, which I'm grateful for. And now you're doing this incredible work. So how long were you in that period of being stuck? Oh my gosh, for a, a long time, longer than I'd care to admit. You know, all of my 20s and and really in into my 30s. And it really wasn't until I was 35 where I was like, okay, I think I have a few things figured out. I don't have it all figured out and I'm not healed. I still have triggers and I still have my stuff. But largely it was really, you know, birth to 35 was a hot mess. And since 35, life's been pretty awesome. And what sort of was the catalyst resulting in you getting unstuck and in changing and going on this journey of becoming a trauma, uh, trauma specialist and Mm -hmm. therapist and helping so many people? So I worked in advertising for a while. I waited tables for a while. I did a lot of random weird. I produced photo shoots for a clothing company for a while. I just sort of did whatever. Um, And it wasn't until I actually found a therapist who understood trauma that the light sort of started to turn on. I wish I had a burning bush, you know, God downloaded this incredible revelation to me. And then I changed and it was so not like that. It was more like little flickers of possibility. And so when I finally found my way to accurate help and good help, and I actually started to heal, then I was like, oh my God, everybody needs to know this stuff. And all I wanted to do was read about it and study about it and learn more. And so once I you know, achieved a degree of functionality, I I focused my efforts on becoming a therapist. Love that. And what have you learned that trauma is? What is trauma for those people that don't exactly know? What's your understanding of trauma? Yeah. And trauma has become sort of trendy lately and it's a buzzword. So now everyone is like, I have trauma and that's why I can't do this. I'm like, no, you're just kind of whatever. That's why you're not doing this. But we all have trauma to a degree. And that's important to know. Trauma is not a illness. Trauma is not a permanent state of, you know, here's your brain. Now it's traumatized. Now this is who you are forever. Trauma is like indigestion of the brain. So anything, you don't have to have a horrible childhood or have been abused or assaulted to have trauma. Anything that our brain doesn't metabolize and digest will create symptoms like anxiety and panic and depression and addiction and all of those things. But those aren't mental illnesses. They're trauma responses from the body. So trauma is anything that's too much, too fast, too soon, or not enough. That doesn't mean everything is going to traumatize us. I'm not like we're all walking around in these victim state where everything is going to traumatize us. 
But any experience has the potential to traumatize us because our brains do what they do automatically. And if my brain thinks that something is unsafe or something was too much, logically, I know it wasn't. But neurologically, if my brain decides I don't like that, I'm going to experience trauma. So we all have it to a degree varying degrees, varying degrees of severity. And it's part of the human experience. And to say, I don't have trauma, nothing bad ever happened to me, sort of misses the point. Trauma is brain indigestion. We can dial it down and make it less big by using that metaphor. When we say, because you're right, it does become more of a buzzword these days. And I've had a lot of conversations with, you know, Bessel van der Kolk and, and so many other great trauma experts in this field and when I ask them the question, you know, is trauma just trauma? And they say, yes, trauma is trauma. But then you've got the, the degree of trauma. Say, for example, someone went through sexual abuse rather than someone that has been through not that experience, but something else that is of a lesser degree. Yet somehow it, that person experiences in the way they experience it to some degree is, is they can use it as if I'm making much sense here, that the person that went through sexual abuse, um, if someone didn't, for example, they they can use their small little trauma. I'm not making any sense here. I'll, I'll try and rephrase myself here. <laughs> I apologize. So, for example, someone that has been through less of a trauma can use the that experience as an excuse to say they've got the trauma of someone that has been through sexual abuse, which is an enormous weight, right? Did that make any sense? <laughs> it does. And as somebody who is a sexual abuse survivor, both in childhood and assault in you know adulthood, trauma is never an excuse for anything. You know, I have a great deal of compassion as somebody who has survived that particular type of trauma. But that doesn't mean I get to say, oh, sorry, I'm going to be a jerk because I have this trauma. Just like somebody who doesn't have that trauma doesn't get to say, well, I have trauma and that's why I can't like trauma explains a lot of our behaviors, but it doesn't excuse it. And the fact is, is that, you know, for someone like me who has, let's say, a sexual assault history, that might mean that an experience that someone without that history might find easy is harder for me. But the flip is also true. Sometimes people who have trauma don't get triggered by things in the environment now. And people who don't have a history of trauma are incredibly triggered by that. So, you know, whatever our, our history and our story is, is important, but it's really what's happening now. Forget about where, you know, our stories matter, but largely it's, okay, what's going on for you right now? There's no point in comparing. There's no point in saying I can't because it's what are my choices? What am I willing to do are much better questions than I can't because, and here's why, you know, yes, trauma is definitely something severe and awful to work through, but to the degree that you have relative safety and access to resources, you can heal. It does and can heal. Completely healed? Well, I don't know if any of us can be completely healed as humans. So I'll say maybe not completely healed, but certainly not the loudest voice. You know, I don't wake up thinking about my trauma. I'm not haunted by flashbacks constantly. I don't smoke meth and I don't use drugs and I don't participate in eating disordered behaviors. So maybe it's not healed. It doesn't mean I'm not triggered. So I wouldn't say I'm cured. I would say it's not what I lead with. Trauma doesn't have to be the main theme of your story. 
which is hard for people because I was very attached to my trauma because it defined me. I'm a trauma survivor. I'm a, this is who I am. And if I don't have my trauma story, well, then what do I do? And so it was, it was like letting go of a, a really destructive blankie to put that identity down and say, oh my gosh, the idea of healing was very threatening to me. So it's important to know that, that we should all just heal. Well, healing is scary because then you have to cultivate your own sense of who am I aside from the story? Who am I? Yes, the story happened. Yes, it's part of who I am. It's part of my experience. But do I want to lead with it? I don't. It's, you know, I'm happy to share about it, but it doesn't define every second of my day. They, And this is me. Like, they're quite happy to say I've got trauma but they won't share exactly what that trauma is or was uh, because it's vulnerable and it's scary to be vulnerable. It takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable and they don't want other people knowing what they've been through because there could be judgment, there could be uh, shame as a result of that and they don't want to have any of that and yet they use it as a crutch or an excuse. But that just makes them get stuck, doesn't it? It does. And it's tough because, you know, you have to, as humans, we have to have compassion on yeah. the trauma problem because it's real and it's severe and it's, it's awful, especially it's awful. And again, assuming that you have relative safety and you have access to resources, because some people don't, some people trauma healing isn't even an option because of variety of factors, but assuming that you have the choice to heal, if you choose not to, that's fine. I'm not here to tell someone they have to heal, but don't sit there and think this is just who I am because that's biologically inaccurate. And Bessel van der Kolk, who I love, and he says this, you know, we become experts at hiding from who we are and what we know. And I think whether or not you have high level trauma, the fundamental task of motivation, of getting past procrastination, of living your best life is, will you be honest with yourself about yourself? And if the answer to that is no, you're going to get stuck and you're going to stay stuck. Yeah, I'm going to get honest with yourself. Yeah, it's, it's and I'm, I'm not yeah. saying that, yeah, I'm not saying I don't want people to think that I'm being not compassionate by saying all those things because I was exactly where a lot of people might be and I wasn't being compassionate to myself. I would beat myself up for a lot of dumb reasons and I couldn't figure out why. Like I, I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know exactly what was wrong with me. And so I when I finally, everything just came to a, a crushing halt, I realized things about myself that I never thought even existed because I chose to go down that healing path. It was difficult. It was tough. And if I'm being honest with you, Britt, I'm a recovering addict. I think I'm still on that journey of recovery. Like is it an everyday process, like the things that I put into place. And I'm also a recovering trauma guy as well. Like I don't think that's ever going to go away as much as I try to get rid of it, but it's just, I think it's impossible, but I've had a lot of people say that they believe that it is possible to really get rid of everything and not have any triggers. Do you, do you think that we can get to a place where we're not triggered anymore? Mm. And thank you for sharing fellow trauma survivor, fellow addict. Um, I don't think being human 
allows us to never be triggered by anything. I think the only way to not be triggered by anything is to do some serious spiritual bypassing, which goes back to the honesty issue. If you're really being honest about yourself, never getting triggered, really? Like, I don't expect people to necessarily have as many triggers as you know, like I'm triggered a lot. I manage them, but you know, I, I get triggered a lot, but to say that you're never triggered by anything, I, I would say really, well, if that works for you, cool. Like you do you, but I would say if you scratch beneath the surface, is it possible that there's perhaps some bypassing of grief or pain? Because we're very good at bypassing grief in an effort to over-spiritualize it or, you know, I, I, God, this was God's will. And okay, that's cool. If that's your orientation, that may have been God's will, but that doesn't change the fact that if your heart is broken, you're going to need to tend to it. And you're going to need to name. We are experts at avoiding grief. So no, I don't believe that we can human without ever being triggered. What's some of the, I think you mentioned some of the reasons why we avoid pain and grief ultimately, but what are some other main reasons that a lot of people avoid pain, avoid the healing journey, avoid the, the truth? So I have a section in my book where, you know, if you don't identify the benefits to staying stuck, whether it's in an addiction or a bad habit or whatever the thing is, you know, staying unhealthy, staying in trauma, staying in an unhealed space allows you to become comfortable. It allows you to stay small. And if you stay small, you don't have to risk fear of failure. You don't have to risk social rejection. If you never start a business, you never have to risk financial resources. And success is really threatening because your relationships are all going to change. You know, misery loves company, but success can be very lonely. And so people will often unconsciously sabotage. I don't like that word, but they'll sabotage themselves because the change process requires everything to, you know, everything has to change and all change, even positive change involves pain and loss to a degree. So, you know, no shame in that, but let's name the benefits to these behaviors. Cause once we name them, Dan Siegel, Dr. Dan Siegel says this name entertainment. Once we name it, then we can start creating plans and using these, you know, thinking strategies to start maneuvering our way out. But to say, I get nothing out of being a drug addict is flat out BS. It's not true. How can we help someone remove shame? Hmm. Well, coming on, you know, and talking to you and outing myself as, you know, I have all these monsters in the closet of my psyche and here are the drugs that I did. That's how I show up in the world as, you know, my effort to help reduce shame. Because as a therapist, I sit in front of a lot of shiny looking people, really successful people. And we're all a mess up close. We're all struggling with something. We all have something that's hidden in the back of wherever that we don't want to show. So if we can normalize that, you know, I'm not suggesting everyone vomit their, you know, their ugly truth on Instagram. That would be the equal and opposite problem of everything looking perfect. It's like we, we need boundaries, but we're all a mess up close. So let's make that okay. And the more we talk about it, I think the more, the more we can reduce the stigma and the shame of just being human. I've realized that when I share something on here, I might be petrified to actually share it. But after I have shared it, I feel a sense of release and calmness. And I feel like vindication in a way as I've 
shared it. And I guess it depends on who I feel comfortable with sharing it with. Uh, for example, like sexual abuse as a, as a young kid, not understanding what that does as a guy, another guy sexually abusing you. It's a lot of questions that come up. But this all leads me to my next question is, if someone doesn't know what's going on with them, they know that something is, is not right, what kind of questions can you help someone ask for themselves first? They're going to get them started on this healing journey. Mm-hmm. And it's really tough with, you know, if, if you're overwhelmed and you have no idea where to start and you wouldn't even know where, if, if I said to someone, all right, let's get honest about what's true for you. A lot of people are like, I have no idea. I don't even know where I'm lying because I'm so overwhelmed with it. So where do, where do we start is a great place. So number one, first and foremost, assume there is information that you don't have yet, because in the absence of information, what do we do? It's my fault. It must be me. I'm lazy. I'm crazy. I'm unmotivated. I just suck as a human. Let's just start with there's information that you don't know yet. And once you know it, this is going to make sense. It doesn't excuse it, but it will make sense. So just because you don't know why it's happening doesn't mean there's not a really good reason for it to be happening. Step one. So just assume this makes sense to someone and then ask yourself, what are my choices? Not why am I broken? Not what's my problem? It's what are my actual choices? What are my resources? Not everyone has access to therapy, but if you do put that on the list. So step one, right, is there's information that I don't have. I am not crazy. There's no such thing as a crazy person. There is no such thing as a crazy person. Step two, what are my choices? And then step three, of those choices, what am I willing to do today? What am I willing to do today? And we skip that because it's so small and it seems so like insignificant and stupid, but that one is really powerful. If you make a list of 10 choices and ask yourself, what are you willing to do today? The likelihood that you're going to pick something is pretty high and it only takes a micro shift forward to keep you out of stuck. Like once stuck is over, the second you make a move in any direction, no matter how small. So just do something, pick something, pick anything. And that's where we start. You're not crazy. I love that. Yeah. No I'm one's crazy. Mine. No one's crazy. I think understanding that is extremely helpful. I uh, also like how you mentioned we're all human. We're on a human experience. My a friend of mine has a book. I don't know if you've heard of this. She's also another trauma, th- trauma therapist. Uh, You're not broken. And it's a beautiful beautiful book on trauma, but she encourages people to understand that you might've had, I guess, some broken experiences, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you yourself are a broken person. And I love crazy. It's, I haven't heard of that book, but I'm going to need to get it. And I mean, I understand what my grandmother was literally taken by the men in white coats, you know, and put in the hospital and given shock therapy. And I've worked inpatient, severe mental illness. But if you get up close enough, all of those symptoms make sense. They're not good. And they're not like, I'm not saying, yay, this is just, we should accept it. But there's no such thing as crazy. All behavior makes sense in context, even if we don't know the full context. So no, you are not crazy. And broken is the wrong word because as long as you're here and you're alive and you're breathing, you're still going. And so there's no such thing as a broken person or a crazy person. Injured, yes. Messy, sure. But not broken. And my grandmother actually had shock therapy. She 
um, had bipolar disorder. And so doctors didn't really understand what was going on with her. So the question I think that needs to be asked, and Gabor Mate talks about it, is what happened to you? Like that's a big question that needs to be asked. And if more and more people start asking that question to themselves or to another person, it might bring out a lot of answers, like a lot of reasons to why this, this person's behavior is the way that it is. Um, yes, without ex- again, without excusing it. And I have to say no, this over and over, yeah. right? Explanation is not a synonym for an excuse. And the what happened to you question is, and I, I love his work so much. The what happened to you question gets dicey, gets sticky, because not everyone, I've blocked out half my childhood. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know the full extent of what happened to me. So if you don't know what happened to you, start by assuming something happened to you. You don't have to go hunt for memories. You don't have to do hypno and and go back and do a childhood regression and figure it out. But just assume if your life is not working, if you feel like your relationships are a disaster and your habits are just assume if you don't know what happened, something happened. And let's start there. And starting with the, I don't know what it was, but something happened. And then get back to what are my choices? What am I willing to do? And am I willing to stay honest with myself about myself? What would you say for you, Britt, has been the most vulnerable moment in your life or even writing this new book? In my life, oof, there have been so many cringy, just like face palm, I don't want to think about them kind of moments. I I don't know if I could identify a a standout one. Um, The cringy moment writing the book was really outing myself because I present, you know, I went to a a nice university and I have a lovely therapy practice and I'm a good person. And like, I did some really messed up stuff. The smoking meth out of a light bulb thing. That one is, that one was a hard one to share. I was like, oh man, am I really going to tell that story? Like, do I have to, I sat with that. I rewrote that story 10 times. I'm like, maybe I'll tell like a Vicodin story or maybe I'll tell a cocaine story. Cause at least cocaine is like a part drug and, but like meth. Oh my God. So that one was a a really tough one to, um, to, to, to get out there, but I did and I don't regret it. And I'm glad I did. Why did you decide to put it in there? Cause it's true. It's, it's the truth. It's like, if I'm going to sit here and just like rant and rave about, we have to get honest with ourselves about ourselves. I have to practice what I preach and my most shamey things. I have to lead with that. I cannot do this work and sit in my therapist chair. If I'm not willing to lead with honesty and vulnerability, I don't like love it. And I'll get off this call and have a monster vulnerability hangover, but it's okay. And I know from experience, I won't die and it'll be fine. Um, so if we're going to do the work, we have to do the work. Well, I, 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 for one appreciate your vulnerability and I kind of did a similar thing with my book. I'm like, I wrote the first version and it was a dumbed down version of the story. And I'm like, hang on a minute. All right, let's do this. <laughs> and it was the, one of the most painful things I've ever had to endure, but I'm glad that I did it in the end. And I don't even know how people are going to react to the story, to be honest with you, but I'm confident that I said what I needed to say. And I just hope and pray that it helps someone in some way, shape or form heal. (laughs) Like that's really why I did it. So I I am very grateful for, for you, Britt, and, and for your sharing. 
today and the vulnerability that we have shared. I know it's not never an easy thing to do, but why did you decide to write a book? I mean, of all the things you could have done, a book is like not an easy thing to do. So why did you decide to write a book? Well, that's been a childhood dream. Like when I was escaping from my, my trauma, it was always into books or I would imagine myself someday writing a book, but why this book, this is the book. I, I mean, really like, Oh, thank God for dissociation. It is the childhood superpower and books allow us to do that. Um, this book is the book that I needed when I started, like, I love deep diving and I love exploring the research and getting into the mix. But when I was really like up in it. I needed just quick, basic, non-clinical language. Like somebody just break this down for me in a really easy way. I don't need to know that the theory, I don't need to like, just what do I do? What is going on? And what do I do? I needed like driver's ed for the brain. And so the book is really a compilation of all of the things that I, it's not like, here's Brit's opinion on getting unstuck. Like here's what Dr. Bessel van der Kolk says. And here are what people way more researched and smarter than me. I have said about all of this stuff. So it's like a Cliff's notes guide. Like it's a curation of every single thing that I read that I've learned and that I've seen as a therapist that's been helpful. And, you know, you can do the skimming kind of thing, or you can, you know, I've left enough breadcrumbs and trails to go down. If you want a deep dive, it's there, but really it's just like a, let's get in and let's get going as fast as humanly possible. And it was really personal. So I'm really, really happy that, that it exists now. I, I mean, I don't get it. I'm not 21 with that book in my hands, but someone hopefully is. And so it's a really a labor of love. Well, I'm 25 at the moment. So I think I'll, I need the book. <laughs> It'd be very helpful for me. So I get to benefit from it. And I'm sure another 21, 21 year old that is listening to this does get to benefit from it too. But having said all this, Britt, for you and, and your story, what do you love the most about yourself and your story now? Oh, these are such great questions. And you're so much more functional at 25 than I was. Can I just say, <laughs> I have like one of my little icky parts of me. That's like, damn it. Like he's doing this at 25. Like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? And it's fine. Like I, you know, I can see her and hear her in the back of my head and it's all good. What do I love about my story? I love that I live to see this side of the story. Because this side of the story is so much fun. I'm so happy I stayed alive through all of that. I'm so happy I hung in there and that I didn't just say, like, screw it. Because I feel like I have a full narrative now. Like, and the ending isn't terrible. And so I love that my story shifted and pivoted. And now I'm here to say, like, okay, this, you know, I went just enough to the edge of, you know, I won't say insanity because that's there's no such thing as crazy, but I went just to the edge without falling over so I could come back and like report like, here's what's going on. So I really love that about my story. What do I love most about myself? Yep. I like to think that I'm not totally full of crap. I mean, I have my moments, but I feel like I'm generally a pretty like, this is me. This is who I am. And I don't walk around under a shame cloud. I mean, I have those moments, of course, everyone does, but generally I don't walk around hating myself. And the thing I like most about myself is that I don't have to hate myself, even with all of the things that I've done. I love that answer, actually. And <laughs> yeah, I'm just reminiscing on it, like thinking about it. But for those people that 
want to learn more about your work, Britt, and get the science of stock, where can they go? So I spend way too much time on Instagram. So come, come say hello on Instagram where I dissociate and numb out and keep myself stuck by over scrolling, but I'm there and I post about mental health and trauma and getting unstuck. And it's just my name at Britt Frank. And so that's the best place to find me and the book you can buy wherever books are sold. I'll make sure everyone knows where to get a copy of the book. Got a couple more questions for you, Britt, if you don't mind. I don't mind. But I know I asked you what you love the most about yourself, but are there any things that you hate about yourself? I'm thinking really hard, like with the the pithy answer is no, there's nothing that I hate about myself. Like, yeah, of course. Like I, I go to therapy, I take medication, I have my moments. So, you know, yeah, there are times where I hate that certain things are harder for me, or I hate that other people seem to have certain things figured out that I have to spend a lot of extra time trying to figure out, but I don't hate myself. There, there are things that I do that I'm not super proud of. And there are things, you know, habits and but do I hate myself? No, I hate the, some of the behaviors. I hate some of the choices and I hate some of the struggles, but I, I really don't hate my, I know you're not, that's not a popular thing to say like, oh my, and it's not from a narcissistic egoic place, but it's like hating myself kept me stuck. I tried it. It didn't work. I really, I was really good at hating on myself. Mm-hmm. So I really don't. The victim mentality, right? which is, is, and again, victim mentality is so different than being victimized. Like if you have a trauma, you've been victimized. Like we have, if you have child abuse, you were victimized. If you have assault, you've been victimized, but you can be victimized and not live in that victim state. And I'm really big on not letting the stories that happen to us be the things that define us. Like, no, thank you. Like alchemize that stuff, take all of it and flip it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm not a fan of, you can own that you were victimized without living in that victim state. Yeah. Dr. Edith Egger, who is mm-hmm. another, yeah, I got, I got to speak to her and she said that very same line to me, you were victimized. And I think that just helped me flip a switch <laughs> that I needed to flip. And it just made sense. Cause I think I was playing in that present point in my life. I was playing the victim and I wanted to think that this could be, yeah, it wasn't good. So I'm, I'm glad that you said that to me. And um, yeah, I know I'm only 25, but I've been on a, a wild journey, Brit, and it's, I'm grateful that I'm still here too. Cause yeah, I, I probably wouldn't be uh, if it wasn't for the journey, but that's another story. <laughs> I want to read your story and I want to read your book so much, but I'll say about the victim thing real quick, because I loved being a victim. I had a really hard time with that because if I'm a victim, then I get to be taken care of. And I forget about drugs, being a victim and having someone come rescue me. Oh, that is so compelling. And it's so addicting. And I think that was the hardest addiction to break even more than any of the other things was saying, no one is coming to rescue me. The only way to adult is to take ownership of this is my life and I am in charge. Oh my God, that was so hard. So I had to take my victim mentality and say goodbye to it because it really was something I clung to harder than almost anything else. So I get it, but it's not helpful. I would play the victim and then I would try and help someone else that is playing the victim and I would 
try and be the hero because they would play the victim. And I thought that I could help them not play the victim anymore, even though I was playing the victim. So <laughs> it's, it's a mess. <laughs> it's a crazy That's a mess. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> Just try not to do it. And if you're doing it, no shame. You don't have to stay there. Yeah. Very good. Um, Britt, two quick final questions for you, if you don't mind. This is a question that one of my other guests actually gave to me, so I can't take credit for it. But what is the plot currently? The So let me rephrase it. What is the current plot that you are in the middle of in your in your current story? Oh, the plot line. Okay. So my story has existed in a very contained, small, you know, I've been working on the book for, you know, almost five years of gathering and it's been like my, and I'm in my office doing therapy behind closed doors. So I'm at the point of the story where I'm talking, holy crap, I'm saying the things Ah, so that's the plot. The plot has turned into, and then she turned around and started talking loudly two people like that book is out in the world now like the words are on paper they're printed and they're out there and eek we'll see what happens next exciting times i can't wait to see what you <laughs> do next is there another book in you you think i you know i would love to write an entire book on really learning how to love the parts of ourselves that we hate and really diving into the idea of shadow work and really bringing home and integrating all of these things that we think we have to hide. I could go on for hundreds of pages about that. So I would love to be able to write a book about shadow intelligence. That's another conversation for another time. Uh That'd be a lot of fun to do. (laughs) This is my, this is my all time favorite question. I love asking all my guests at the very end. It is a hypothetical one, but I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic for the sake of argument, but they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Man, I wouldn't want to have to watch every moment that I, you know, everything I've ever said, what would I want to say about my life? Um, That I would love to be a hundred years old and look at my life and be like, I lived my life. I didn't live your life. I didn't live the life I was supposed to live or that I should have lived or that was safe to live. I lived my life. That would be really cool to be able to say. The perfect send off message. Britt Frank, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for your grace, your empathy, your kindness towards me and to my audience as well. And thank you for joining me on the Storybox podcast. Thanks for having me. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. 
And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcast. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.